Hello, welcome to episode number 226 of the Apolog Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by BetterHelp.com. Get affordable, private, online counseling anytime, anywhere. Talk with a licensed professional therapist online today. You can get a seven-day free trial by going to BetterHelp.com slash Enter Apolog at checkout and get seven days free counseling. It is towards the end of what's considered one of the worst winters ever. And seasonal depression is a serious, serious matter, everybody. And you have to take care of you. And that's where BetterHelp is great. It is like a, it is very, very discreet. You can book an online chat with your therapist. And you know what? It doesn't hurt. Thanks, everybody, for shopping on Amazon and supporting the show. Go to appalock.ca slash Amazon or appalock.ca slash US Amazon. You can do it the old-fashioned way by going to appalock.ca and click on those banners located on the right side. Locate your country, whether you're from Canada, the UK, or the USA. I'm sorry. Bookmark those links, and every time you shop on Amazon, use those links to shop and support the show, and it costs you no extra money. I'd like to thank everybody for helping me out on Patreon. You too can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel at any time. Buy a t-shirt by going to appalock.ca slash shop, and there's some music there for sale too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Give it five stars. Like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. One last thing. Don't forget to pledge to my Ride to Conquer Cancer, which is happening in June, June 8th and 9th. And it is my 200-kilometer ride to support and raise funds for the cure for cancer. And everybody knows somebody who's ha- who has cancer. It's, it's horrible. And it's... Um, so anyways, please, in the description, you will see the link to support my ride. Thank you so much for listening. Today on the show, I have Stevie from the band Clowns. Clowns have a new record on Fat Records called Nature Nurture. We're going to hear a bit of music at towards the end of the podcast, so stay tuned. Stevie is from Melbourne, so a 16-hour difference in the, uh, in the world. Um, we got to talking about how flat the earth is. And it was a great and awesome time to meet somebody. And this is kind of why I do the podcast. It's good to meet good people. And yeah, you just get a feeling. Good people, good times. Here he is, Stevie from Clowns on the Upload Podcast. I think that the earth is flat. There's an ice wall and you guys are on the other side of the ice wall being Australia. And we're just, we're just a bunch of, we're up in Canada. We're over in Canada. If we're speaking flat earthly. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I, I've been thinking about how people think and believe the earth is flat. (laughs) Like we've truly become like a dumb society. If people really think they truly think. Yeah, that the Earth is flat. It's great. I'm loving all this stu- <laughs> this wave of stupidity, which is just hitting mankind like a freight train. At first, they're eating Tide Pods. People are eating Tide Pods for some reason. Yeah. It's a challenge. That's <laughs> Darwinism, that though. Funny. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but if it was my kid, I think there'd be some sort of like, like, hey, um, dummy, don't eat Tide Pods. Um, <laughs> don't do that. You will die. Um, yeah. But I guess that's okay, right? Because if you're stupid enough to eat a Tide Pod, then you probably shouldn't be around. Yeah, that's, well, like you said, that's Darwinism. Survival <laughs> of the fittest. It's survival of the fittest, not survival of the shittest. <laughs> so how, uh, how's life in Melbourne? I haven't been there since I was 20-something. Life in Melbourne is very good. Are we, are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Is this? Okay, sweet. Um, yeah, look, Melbourne is, is great. It's, um, I think particularly in Australia... Melburnians have a bit of a reputation for being wankers and rightfully so because it's the most awesome city in Australia and there's so much cool shit to do all the time. So um, I have no, um, yeah, no qualm in admitting that. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really awesome. You know, like the, the social climate here is really good. It's just like primed for like arts and live music cultures to, to really thrive. And there's so many great um, live music venues and bands and arty things to do all the time. And I, yeah, it's really great. I mean, when, when were you here 20 years ago? I was, yeah, I was in the, in the sort of like 95, 96. 1995, mm-hmm. 1996, and we were there. I was there on tour doing sound for a band, well, for SNFU, band called SNFU, Canadian band. Oh yeah, and yeah, um, I think I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they they're sort of like <laughs> yeah, they've been around. Um, yeah, we we flew over there and we were in New Zealand for like nine days, and then we flew to Australia for nine more days. And it's uh, never been in New Zealand, never been in Australia, so it was, it's it was interesting to sort of be put into a culture that you've never been to before, you know, and uh, people mm-hmm. are definitely like different people. And it's like, everything is different. And as being a Canadian it was funny because Australians all thought we were f- from America for some reason. They just assumed yeah. we we're Americans. <laughs> but, yeah. But well, the accent is, is, you know, there's, there's some dissimilarities, but you can, you know, as an uncultured Australian back in the day <laughs> before the internet and when globalization was really just taking hold. Yeah. I can't remember where we played though. We played like three, two places in Melbourne. One was like a hotel. Um, it was in the downstairs. The main level was sort of the pub, and then upstairs is where the band stayed. Um, okay. And they didn't mix from like you mixed from side stage. That's what I thought was like crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty pretty nutty. And um, one thing I noticed about Australia is that they didn't really have house soundmen, which I thought was a weird concept because you know I thought, well, how do you maintain all your equipment like? Do you have a house soundman now? Did you evolve? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like Australia is, like, particularly in the past, like when I was growing up, we we're always like a couple of years behind um, the North or America and Canada. But, um, yeah, it's, I'm happy to say that we've since made that development. Um, every every venue that we play generally has a has a sound person there and um, and generally a collection of microphones too. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was in, well, it was well, the weird thing about it is that we'd go there and we're like, well, there's the mics and there's the cables and uh, enjoy, have have fun, and then the other bands would come in and they would like have their own person too, but no one would ever really like get along with each other. It was always like the other sound guy would come and just kind of ruin everything for the other sound men. <laughs> so you'd be like, why why are you doing it? Like, why are you being so mean? Um, but yeah, we we did um we did a show on a boat in, in Sydney Harbor, which I thought was fun. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, right. We they picked everybody up by the opera house, and then we went around Sydney Harbor, and it was SNFU. I think Frenzel Rom too. Great. Uh, yeah, That's it was awesome. It was a crazy, crazy night. And then once we finished, we jumped into the into the water, and the guys like, "Don't do that. There's sharks." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, we're stupid." <laughs> <laughs> More Darwinism, really. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, the sharks in the Sydney Harbor aren't aren't big enough to, you know, they could take a big bite out of you, but <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't be concerned that that you know any of the attacks would be fatal yeah 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 so being an australian band in punk rock and how i mean having a scene so f- kind of far away from where it was sort of its, its inception do you guys sort of it's, it's you can hear that you kind of branched out and did sort of like your own take on what you know punk rock and melodic punk rock and heavy punk rock and did you guys like where was your early like influences um it particularly when the band started do you mean or, yeah yeah um hmm, that's going back a long time now so i'm gonna have to dig into some corners of my brain i mean when we started i think we just wanted to be a punk band uh all of us who uh started the band were really into like frenzel rom and we just basically wanted to try and recreate that i guess but it didn't take long for us to yeah start branching out and uh, I don't know why our interpretation of music at the time kind of sounded like the Bronx, but we started just playing shows and, you know, you know, mixing rock and roll and hardcore and with a little bit of like that classic 90s punk that we were all um, very accustomed to from growing up in the 90s. But, um, yeah, I think when we started, we started playing gigs and people kept coming up to, coming up to us and being like, oh, you sound like the Bronx. <laughs> and at the time, I, I didn't even know who the Bronx were. <laughs> So I was like, oh, I better start listening to this band. And I bought Bronx One, put it in my car. And I, as soon as the first song hit, I was like, holy shit, we really sound like the Bronx, don't we? Weird. Um, yeah. But I guess the, um, 
I guess the good thing about that is that the Bronx were, were an awesome band and we, we ended up taking a lot of influence from them over the next couple of years. And I'm glad that people, you know, came up to us and said, oh, you guys sound like the Bronx, you know, rather than like, you know, you guys sound like Shit. Ricky Martin or something. <laughs> yeah, Ricky Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, for the first couple of years, and you know, I'm pretty open about this, like we pretty much just wanted to sound like the Bronx. Yeah. And um, that was like our first couple of seven inches and our first album. And But then I think eventually we just, not that we grew tired of the sound, like I still really like the band, but I think we just wanted to branch out and experiment with di- different genres. And um, that kind of set us on the precedent where we're at now, like four albums in, nine years later, we've kind of just gotten the genre of punk and put in little you know, little sprinkles of all different kinds of genres in there, everything from like psychedelia to garage rock to, mm-hmm. yeah, who knows? Our next album's going to be like a jazz record or something <laughs> or country yeah. record. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Well, yeah. In, totally. Yeah. In, 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 I like the fact that the ethics of punk rock doesn't matter what the genre is. I mean, like if you kind of like grew up paying, playing in punk bands, whatever success you get along the line, it, it doesn't really matter because you sort of have these ethics of like what punk rock is and how to tour and how to be a human being, how to, how to be in a community. And those are all great parts that I think that when you deal with like other genres, it's tough to, for them to sort of, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just closed minded, but it feels that the punk rock community, it's like, I'm getting older and that people I meet in punk rock still the same people that I met like 20 years ago. And, and that's cool. And we're all like people of, you know, that work jobs with families and mortgages and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. it, it just carries on. The, the ethics part is, is always what I like and enjoy and is what our contribution to society is. Mm, Exactly. And I think it's really awesome that it maybe provides an avenue for people who want to pursue music or pursue any kind of art, which is considered left of center or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a bit obscure and all these people have kind of just found each other and uh, figured out a way to to bring art and music like that into the world and give it to an audience without going through, you know, the more orthodox. And particularly, as we all know, with the, with the you know, development of the internet and streaming and now music is more readily available than ever and easy to get online and exposed to a large group of people it's it's just making that community even broader and bigger and i think it's yeah it's really helped our band in particular find our feet and find the people that um yeah that want to listen to us because you know without it um, i mean i don't i don't even know what it would have been like back in the day but mm-hmm. i don't think that we would have gained the um the momentum that we've made in australia mm-hmm. that's for sure yeah it was a lot slower of a grow like um I've I lived in Winnipeg for a while when Propagandi put out How to Clean Everything, like the first record on Fat Records, and um, they went out on tour, and there was no internet. You know what I mean? There's no, there's just word, like word of the power of of Fat Records being a label. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna pick this record up, and they left like Winnipeg, snowy Winnipeg, and by the time they're like sort of in the middle of America, there was like full, you know, people singing every word, and it's like it was a weird phenomenon because. We didn't have, it was like, we didn't have the internet. So it was like always about word of mouth. And it was always about, you know, that part of um, community and, you know, that didn't really exist, that exists now of of inter, like just happening now. If I want to go and go on whatever service and go find a band, it's really easy to do now. The only problem is there's like a thousand other bands that are like, have the same platform <laughs> and they yeah. might not be so good. <laughs> Totally. Sometimes I think maybe you could answer this question, but back in the day, you know, propaganda, obviously, you know, putting out their record on fad and then going on tour and then suddenly everyone knows the music. Mm-hmm. But now these days, you know, every band just kind of puts their music online and it's up to it's the onus is on to the band to either find their market or for people who are just looking for new music to kind of find it. Yeah. But back in the day, everyone kind of just gets centralized on, for example, propaganda. I wonder how many bands there were out there that wanted to be that, but just didn't become that band because of the, I don't know, the nature of the discourse at the time. Yeah, that's an, in- I mean, that's an interesting thing, but Propaganda were just like this 
a phenomenon because they're like metal kids that sort of like met same I think probably the same uh, same story as you they met Fat Mike and Aaron and they liked each other and they said oh, let's put your record out you know and it, and then Fat Mike produced the first record and turned it into basically a Fat Records record uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty convinced if they would have tried to do it on their own um, they wouldn't be the propaganda that we know today that mm-hmm. grew into this amazing juggernaut of a, of a playing machine I think having Fat Mike pulled them into that direction to sort of this is where you're going to sell records this is where you're going to be popular um, that was a really good decision, especially with Fat Mike's and their direction to say you you need to make a record that sounds like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and but they were all as mad. Like as soon as that record came out, they hated it. Like oh, I hate this record. I'm like, but they do that. I think they do that every record, anyways. I think put a record in and go ah, it sounds like shit, or I don't like it. <laughs> and and that's just their you know, it's it's in, it's inspiring actually that they they would think I we got a better one in us, which is yeah. That's cool. And you guys, it's funny when you say been a band since 2010, it seems like it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's like, that was 10 years ago now almost, you know, like that's a, that is a long time ago, you know? Yeah. And to, to be touring. It's been a, one third of my life. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. yeah. And you, you know, did you guys, uh, did you guys tour much when you, did you do van tours and stuff? Cause I know Australia is, it's kind of like Canada. Like there's a lot of empty space between towns and it's a lot of driving. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, I mean, when we started, we like Jake, the drummer, and and I birthed this band fresh out of high school because you know that classic mentality of like, oh man, let's now that we're out of school, let's start a band and mm-hmm. see what we can do. It's a very uninteresting um, narrative, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, we we just really wanted to play in a band, and the first thing we did was pull together some friends and write some songs that we knew how to write, and just go for it, you know? And mm-hmm. I think what, what a more common narrative is, is that people, you know, generally do that. They start their first band, but for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. It's too hard. A couple of years down the line when they're like 23, 24, maybe they finally get the band together that, uh, but they've already honed in on all these skills, like how to, you know, how to drive to the destinations quicker. They've already <laughs> got this network of friends of couches that they can sleep on and things start to take up a little bit faster. Yeah. But instead of disbanding our band and starting a new one over the nine years that we've been a band, we just kicked out the members that were a pain in our asses and um, replaced them. Yeah. <laughs> so in a lot of regards, um, I kind of think that uh, the band that I play in now, even though we have, you know, we use the same logo, for example, and, you know, maybe play some of the songs that we released on records back in 2013, um, is not really the the exact same band. And I think also the, I guess the fluid lineup that has kind of just attached itself to this project because of, you know, the naivety of when we started, but also just the, I guess the growing pains that kind of happen over your twenties between band members and friends and personalities as they continue to clunk and explode or whatever has, has really aided in our, um, style which tends to lend itself to so many different genres as well and it's one of my um favorite things about playing in this band is that i really don't feel like we're tightened down to a genre like we'll always do something really hard and really fast but um you know we can have a nine minute long psychedelic wah jam in the middle of our songs or we can do like a 30 second hardcore song um and it all just kind of seems to blend and work yeah well it's an experience too when you get to see that live it's it's more of an experience. Like if you had the same song for fourteen songs, it's great. It's a great song, but then it's done fourteen times, and that's not always yep. you know that's not always a good thing, you know. So being able to being able to sort of stretch out. Um, I'm just trying to think how this pertains to like North American, the North American um, ideal of of punk rock. It's like I don't know if can of uh, Canadians or Americans are like. I mean. I'm trying to think if 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 there's sort of like a, a mentality that you have this sort of let's stretch it out let's do different things and let's use as many different influences that we can to create you know something awesome um I mean like European bands well not European but, but bands like the Refused they kind of like invented that you know mm. 20 years ago where you know when they put the shape of punk to come it, it was like yeah it's you know, they they sort of like invented how to stretch as a band and so many bands were influenced by that, you know? Yeah, including us. Yeah. 
No, it's a great yeah. record, man. I can't. That's oh, one of the man. few records I can't get from start to finish without my mind going. There's too much. There's too much going on, <laughs> on this record. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is like mm-hmm. Rain and Blood Slayer. I, I just can't do Slayer from front to back either. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys. So when you put you put some records out, um, how did you sort of catch the attention of Fat Records? And and you played live. Like I was trying to. There's very small. My my eyes are fucked. Like so. I'm trying to read your bio. But did you meet? Do you played live and they saw you live? Like how did that work out? Um, I think we've kind of just associated with Fat Records for quite some time. I mean, over the years, we found ourselves on tour with so many of their bands. Friends all being um, one of them. Like yeah. they pretty much gave us a touring apprenticeship back in. 2016 mm-hmm. we did like 20 shows in a row with them all through australia and you know obviously you know but in australia to play 20 shows means that you're going into some deep and dark corners you know we've got five capital cities and then in between there's definitely people there's definitely places to go and see but you're really going into the going into the the, the, the unknown territory yeah yeah, yeah um but um yeah i mean we we toured with frenzel we toured with get dead back in 2015 we've um you know played a whole bunch of shows with bad cop bad cop and pairs um over the years i mean we've even played with no effects in germany and it just i guess it just kind of happened i think we were just kind of on the radar a little bit and um i i ran into them actually that um aaron and um vanessa from fat came down to brisbane for um for Big Sound, which is basically the Australian South by Southwest biggest music conference that we have here. Mm-hmm. They were doing a speech or something, and um, my manager and I were up in Brisbane at the time to, I don't know, be at a music conference because we run our own booking agency and label mm-hmm. over here called Damaged. And mm-hmm. um, we were just, you know, showing face and doing our thing. And we ended up, yeah, catching up with them and just chatting. And um, yeah, it, it really just happened quite organically, you know, like it, it wasn't like a, Hey, let's, let's have lunch at quarter to one and yeah. boom, I'll show you our new demos. Look how great they are. Yeah. It really just happened quite natural and organically. And I think, I think inevitably we were always going to cross paths with some of the people in fat, whether it be in Brisbane or in Europe or in the States or something, just because we have a lot of mutual friends and eventually, yeah, we just recorded the new record. Um, I sent it over to Vanessa and we'd been chatting a little bit since she um, came over to Australia, just keeping in touch and they liked it. They just said, yeah, we'll put it out. It wasn't, um, yeah, there wasn't really like a hard schmooze or anything like that, Um, which is good because I think that's just kind of, kind of our style as well. We're not really, um, you know, just rolling along with the punches and seeing where it takes us. I think they pick up on that too, because people that are too anxious to make a great, uh, to, to be famous is I don't think is something that fat records has ever had that in their sort of whatever their MO they've never sort of had that. Let's be, let's make a, let's make another epitaph. I don't think you've ever, you know what I mean? Like, let's try to be, let's put that, you know, and they've always put out stuff they liked and they've always mm-hmm. done things on, um, just basically on two people having an understanding. And that's, that's good. I'm sure that's burnt them a few times, but at the same time, it, <laughs> if you if you have like the ethics of of that, good people gravitate, and you gravitate to good people. That's how that thing works out, you know. And yeah, and that's how and that. Think, you, go ahead. I de- I definitely think um yeah, there's there's an air of authenticity with all of the bands that they put out, and you can pick up on that through the records and through just meeting the people who play in the bands, and even just the the actual vibe of the label. You know, it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's kind of like a quality that, that is just there. Yeah. And it's something that's been around for almost 30, 30 something years, 30, 30. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's 29. Yeah. This year. Almost 30 yeah. years. And as a, it's, it's, you know, businesses don't last that long, you know, record labels inherently are sort of set up to kind of lose in a way because they got these lunatics in bands that want to put out records and they're the ones, they're kind of like a little loony themselves putting the records out and then the band breaks up or there's some sort of controversy. And then it's, it's just, it's such a crazy business that how they've sort of rolled through and how bands just in general sort of like just keep going, you know? And that's sort of like, 
there's been a backbone conversation of this whole show that I do about just keep going. That's the most important thing about um, just music. You know, you should kind of keep going. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a, a last person standing competition. <laughs> and in as a as as people sort of get older and just stay around, that's the thing too. Like, because you know, I think I'm one of those people. Like, I've been doing it for twenty. Five twenty. I can't remember since nineteen ninety. I've been doing this, and it's it's a. I I always appreciate bands that keep doing it because I know how difficult it is. I know how hard it is. You know, and to be at a disadvantage. Like I'm Canadian, so therefore Canadians are kind of looked down upon f compared to Americans. But when Canadians go to Europe, it's a different story. You know, do you um you've been to Europe? Is it is it something like? Because as a Canadian, when I went to Europe for the first time to play, it was like it was a whole different world. It was a whole different experience. And maybe because I was just so close to America, it's impossible for us to get in America and, and to, just to work there because of all the work papers. And we're like the new face of terror, I guess, where we're going to go and steal all their women. That's what oh, I think they fear. But I see, you know, yeah, <laughs> we're pirates from Canada. They're going to build a wall on us too. But to go to Europe, was that, did you find that to be a, sim a similar experience that it was like, um, just for culture? Mm, I think, in terms of Europe, it's it. I almost feel like the way that you describe uh, being a Canadian touring America is kind of how I feel about being an Australian in a punk band touring Australia. <laughs> um, you know, it's there, there's definitely not not as much as there was, but still quite a divide within um, you know heavy music or alternative music and um, pop music and in Australia. But going to Europe. I mean, first of all, Germany is like the mecca for touring punk bands. Oh. You know, they, it's like punk music is like Heaven. is like a popular music there. You it's know, utopia. Have, That's right. Yeah, they have the biggest heavy music festivals in the world. Yeah, you'll be walking down the bloody Aldi with your shopping trolley and hear Turbo Negro blasting down <laughs> yeah. the aisles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so it's so different. Yeah. Um, and to to add in another punch to that, being a band from Australia and touring Europe is awesome because just the general consensus of a lot of people over there is that Australia is just this crazy weird country way down there that makes heaps of great musical exports. And there's also this like kind of weird exotic chic, you know, like everyone kind of thinks that we're, you know, we live in the outback and we, we walk kangaroos to school and stuff. Thanks Paul Hogan. Thanks. Yeah, which is only true in some parts of Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not your part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, Melbourne's just like, you know, it's just a city. Yeah. It's kind of like San Fran. When I was there, they had that, there was this sort of thing in the park. There was like a big Central Park kind of thing. And there was like a, uh, like a, seemed like a fair or it was like a, um, a summer thing that, that happened in that park. <laughs> and we could drink beer Probably. in there. Nobody got mad. <laughs> It was, a, it, yeah, it was as it was walking Sounds around. Sounds like a nice time. It was. It, I, and I can't remember where, I know it was in Melbourne. Uh, I know I remember I got the worst sunburn of my life in Melbourne, too. Oh, really? Because we were outside yeah, and it was like, I was sitting outside and I was suntanning or whatever. And then I look around and there's nobody out. And it's like three in the afternoon. I go, what's, where did everybody go? And I realized. Mm -hmm. That you can like, there's it's like you can you can get like third degree burns or second degree burns from being outside mm. at that time of day. And no ozone layer. Yeah, yeah, it was like a thinning ozone layer. Um, I have a, a coworker that says uh, there's a catchphrase like "find a tree, something, something, find a tree." Is is this true or is he making up stories? Mm, yeah, I've never heard of that. Now I know he's. <laughs> I knew he's lying. He's a compulsive liar. Mm. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely a kill on the sun. Even just you know when we when we toured Europe and playing festivals and just hanging out in the sun, I never need to put on sunscreen. Oh yeah, you know it's it's wild. It's a it's a real privilege for me to be able to do that because over here it's yeah it it really is a killer. You can feel the difference. It's like when the sun is out and on your skin, you can feel it like frying it. Whereas over on the northern hemisphere at least in a lot of the parts where I've been to. Yeah, it's just it's just nice and it's warm mm. and I mean it's it's funny that you say you you got sunburnt and that it was a negative experience because the reason that Australia has no ozone layer is actually because the northern hemisphere <laughs> yeah. keeps using all, all these fossil fuels. 
It's By the true. time the Earth moves around, you, you've bloody duped us, mate. I know. That's the and then <laughs> we didn't realize that until like uh, you know we've, we when we got there because you know we're silly. We had no idea, but it was an interesting guy because I did. I was like, I closed my eyes for a second. They open it again. I look around. There's like, everybody's gone because they all knew. Like, get out of the sun, you'll die. Stupid. Mm -hmm. And then no, nobody well, would shake you and go, "Hey, uh, you probably shouldn't be outside right now. You probably look like you don't not from around here." Um, this kind of brings our conversation full circle as well. <laughs> yeah. No pun intended, but pun definitely there with the flat Earth theory. Oh yeah, because how? Why does Australia have no ozone layer then? If if the Earth is flat, well, a lot there. People smarter than me have answers that about flat Earth, and they can make <laughs> up the most amazing, amazing uh, things. I, I, I truly believe that that people do it just to fuck with other people. They don't actually, they don't believe it. They just want to be so different that <laughs> that uh, let's try to prove something that's completely outrageous. Let's do that mm. because that's how awesome and interesting I am as a person. Do you, do you think? Do, would you subscribe to that? <laughs> I, I do subscribe to that notion, yeah, but I generally try to um, express myself in other ways than um, <laughs> believing in the flat earth theory or, or anything. You know, like if you want to be different, why don't you fucking, I don't know, yeah. make, a, make a dress out of fidget spinners or something? Yeah. We used to do, um, when we drive in a van, we tour around, we'd listen to like the weirdest music because we thought that was like ironic and funny. Like, so Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass were like a huge favorite hit in our van because like something just like stinky punk rockers in a van listening to Herb Alpert is the weirdest thing you'd ever see. It's almost like, like a weird movie cutscene where, um, but we would always play it in between, in, in between bands. And uh, I would always play Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass right before us and a few played. And you could, you could always gauge what type of show it was going to be because if people would say, shut this music off, then it was always like a fight. It was always a bad vibe. But if it was a good show, because people would be dancing around and it was like, you know, but irony, that's, that, that's, that's sort of the, that's the thing mm. that we always thought was like, let's be interesting and weird with our music, not with our total weird hypocritical beliefs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're we're totally the same i feel like that's almost a little bit of a ubiquitous experience mm -hmm. so when we're in the van we i mean we'll listen to punk rock from time to time but you know when we're playing a punk rock gig every day for 45 days and <laughs> driving three hours in a car with each other like the last thing we want to do is listen to more punk rock music yeah there's just so many great kinds of music out there and so many great bands yeah and we just you know we don't need to focus on just that one genre i mean a lot of the time yeah we'll We'll be fanging it down the autobahn and just listening to the ABBA greatest hits from oh, yeah. start to finish a couple of times. We got, uh, we first time we went to Europe, we got our tour manager who used to play in Satanic Servers, sur um, Surfers. His name is Martin. He had never heard of Ben Folds 5. And we got him into Ben Folds 5 because that was the same idea. It's like, it's something utter, completely different than what, what we played as a band. So let's listen to stuff that's like, you know, kind of neat. And uh, he, first time you put it in you could just see his shoulders like i hate this and after like a week of like playing different versions of the you know different times and little doses here and there uh he you could see he turns around and goes i like this <laughs> so it took like a week for him to realize like this is pretty good you know it takes so, it takes a bit for it to click it does. i love ben folds five. Oh my god that first record was a non-stop player mm -hmm. for me for sure yeah totally and i kind of think that although it's not traditionally like you know, a punk style of music. The one thing that I really loved about that album, Whatever and Ever Are Man, was that the just just the arrangement of it, you know, like mm. a piano, a bass guitar, and a drum kit, and Ben just singing, doing his thing. Yeah. I, I'd never heard of a contemporary band doing that, at least, and writing a record that was so great. Yeah. You know, like there's there's definitely an element of, you know, what, what Ben Folds was doing there is probably just what Flat Earthers are trying to do with the. <laughs> yeah. No, he was definitely pushing genres. Uh, I saw I saw Ben Folds Five play on that whatever and ever when they did they played like this very very small venue in Toronto, and uh, they had like a baby grand piano, and uh, and it was like they were full on like I loved that band because it was like, all, like what we we're talking about before like the ethics of punk rock. Let's what's more punk rock than three guys loading a piano onto a punk rock stage, and then <laughs> him like throwing his 
his uh, he had a drum stool is still, yeah. stool at the piano and and he would do this weird thing with a microphone and this weird vamping idea and uh yeah i mean that was i think i saw on that tour three or three times three different venues where they'd come through and play and uh no it was that's that's such a that first record though the one with um underground it was their first one that came out on caroline oh, that shit. record is so <laughs> good man um mm. yeah is there um so the other band the other band i really like from australia is they were they were called spider bait are they still a band oh yeah 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 they're still a band i worked for so, them so they, they must have been um they must have been at their peak when you were over here right yeah no i worked for them over here in canada oh. when i worked for us and a few on the west coast they came and played a few shows in vancouver for i think uh music west and then we did some um shows in los angeles to um showcase and uh, we played like you know uh the viper room and this weird other place and I don't, that was it. I mean, we didn't play the whiskey or any of that stuff, but playing the Viper Room was just this wacky experience. But everybody thought they were called Spider Bite because of the accent. They would, what's your name? <laughs> spider Bite. I'm like, oh, Bite, Spider Bite. No, no. <laughs> so, yeah, they were, they were mm-hmm. good, good people. Do, do you, uh, do they still play? Like, cause they haven't been out this way in a long time. They do still play, actually. Um, but it, they're more of like a, they're certainly a band from yesteryear and got yeah. a lot of nostalgic value. Um, I'm just having a look at their Spotify now because it's been a little while since I've seen them mm-hmm. um, play. But I mean, they released a collection of B sides in 2017, and oh wow, okay, yeah, that's that's the last thing that they did. But you know, they're they're still big. They're still definitely big. Like you would hear them on commercial radio. Um, I know that Frenzel are actually doing a show with them on June 22nd over here. They're oh, headlining cool. some sort of festival. Cool, a whole bunch of bands from yesterday, like Magic Dirt, are playing as well. I think. The other band, um, the other band I really liked was called The Clouds. I think they're just getting back together or something. The The Clouds, from oh, there you go. They're from Sydney, yeah. And that uh, band went way over my head. Oh yeah, no, they're still <laughs> a band. I think they played. Uh, they played some shows last year, and it was what was like a three. It was like a like an alternative radio station, whatever. Put on a three show tour in different parts of Australia. I don't know what it's called. Uh, I'm probably ruining the whole story, but now they're a great band. They were on um, what record label were they on? Polydor. That's right. They were on Polydor. Yeah. So, so you are you uh, are you guys are you guys coming to Canada? Are you doing any of that stuff? Or are you just gonna stay in Australia? You're going to the states? What's your what's your plans? I think we're definitely gonna be hitting the northern hemisphere pretty hard this year. Um, we've got um, we've currently got ready to announce in japan and europe um we're kind of figuring out or getting our ducks in a row for a for a big north american trip um i guess now being on fat kind of opens the door a little bit to to being able to do something Mm -hmm. um kind of big and cool over there because you know we we have toured the states twice uh, but we've just kind of diy'd it both times and i mean we played chicago fest riot sorry we played riot fest in chicago Mm -hmm. Um, in 2015 and South by Southwest earlier that year as well. Um, but we were definitely doing the whole, you know, hire a car, sleep on someone's couch who you met at the show Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then things started to really pick up in Europe. Mm -hmm. And I think we just kind of thought, you know, we're just going to really focus hard on Europe because things are going really well here. You know, we're, we're whatever. We're, getting, we're sleeping in beds. We've upgraded <laughs> yeah. from floorboards to beds. <laughs> and I think in my mind, too, I just figured that the more and more we gained a profile in Europe, the more that would maybe translate into, um, you know, something over into the States as well, which yeah, I guess kind of did in the end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, we've, got, we've definitely got plans to do it. I think we're just um, getting all of our ducks in a row, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're right. To go to Europe is it, to create a buzz. In and the other the other spot that is really hard to break into is the UK, because British people. I'm born there. It's it's a it's a very judgy um, closed circuit, and it's tough to break in. Like even bands like the Weaker Thans were touring like festivals in Europe and couldn't even get arrested in a, in, in the UK. <laughs> they could, <coughs> it was impossible. And they put they put a record out, and they finally sort of hit. But it was like it took like four records for them to actually like 
become popular in the UK. It wasn't even worth it. You know, I took what my band, we opened up for 10 foot pole in Europe and it was kind of okay. But when we went to to the UK, it was like, get us back to Europe, like right now. Cause it's, you know, there's this little body of water between you and France, but for some reason that's, it stopped all the positivity. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think, sorry, UK. I've always thought that if, um, playing in a band was a video game, then like the first level would be Europe and then the (laughs) second level would be the UK. And then finally the big bad boss would be in the States. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. I, I, and in, we're in a neat time, too, to sort of what we're talking about with the internet is that um, word travels real fast, you know, and and to play that sort of, I don't know, that social network game, it's a, it's an interesting concept. I've, I've had conversations with people who break it down so, so simply and say it's really easy to do, to do these things that involves the internet. And then there's people who say, no, you just got to tour. You got to play live. Like, what, what, what side are you guys on? I think we try and have the best of both worlds. Yeah. We try and cover all bases. But, yeah, I mean, we, we've definitely got a, a strong social media presence. But, and, and I think it's certainly important and a good way to reach out to people. But it's certainly not a deciding factor. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are what, I mean, Ceremony is a perfect example of a band that didn't have social media for so long. And they... They were they were really big band. They're still a really big band, but mm-hmm. you know they were doing European festivals and stuff and not promoting their stuff online. But I think also in this day and age, if you don't do it, I totally get it and I totally get the mentality behind it. It's fucking cool and awesome. Yeah. But I think eventually you probably do shoot yourself in the foot because yeah. it's just such a great means of advertisement. Yeah, such a great way to reach people and show your personality and just stay in people's mind's eye. And I think especially with what you were saying before with social media and how it helps bands rise really fast. It all, I think it is a bit of a double edged sword in the way that at the same time, you know, bands rise, but they also kind of fall, you know, like you got a funny video on your story for 24 hours, but then it's gone. And then yeah. all of a sudden some other band is saying something funny or controversial or whatever. It's just, it's just gone. Yeah. That's the, that's the short attention span type thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. the, these are things that people want instant gratification when it comes to let's go find out this answer. And I think it's awesome. Like I really do. I think it's really kind of neat that you can take something out of your pocket. That's more powerful. That got man to the moon and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and and sort of just, you can use it for good. Um, There's like these streaming like Periscope and Facebook live and things like that. I think they should disable the, the selfie part of Facebook live and Periscope. And, mm-hmm. and you don't like it? No, I think this. Yeah, it should be looking out always. It's a periscope. How many periscopes and submarines look back at you? It's true. <laughs> I just came up with that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you should. You should be looking out because I used to really enjoy periscope when there was things happening, like news, and it was like real news, like happening right now. And that's where we're going when it comes to like communication about how people are going to keep, keep, you know. Um, connected like the news the news is such a it's it's so polarized now where you but if you watch something and there's no bias there's no sort of like um there's no agenda you can watch the news and make your own judgment about what's happening um i i just think that's it's it's powerful enough to to use it as that tool and not as sort of like hey how you doing everybody you know here i am mm-hmm. this is me i'm doing my nails totally yeah and periscope is-, is always about i'm back i don't understand why they where they go that's another periscope weirdness i think the whole the whole selfie thing definitely ties in nicely to the to the wave of narcissism which just seems to be infecting the world as well it just goes hand in hand with social media profile yeah um you know like if it were up to me i'd do away with the whole thing. I've said it a million times before, but if I didn't play in a band, then I would definitely just chop it all out because <laughs> I don't, I don't care for it. But yeah. it's a great, it's it is a great means for advertisement. Oh, yeah. it's, it's fun to look back on your old photos or whatever yeah. and remember remember times. But you know, you didn't need an Instagram to do that. Yeah, that's true. People have had photos for a long time. Yeah, before yeah. that they had paintings. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I just one for the history books. When I go to Facebook, I, I, I when I if I do a Facebook update. I try not to use the word I, me, or any of these other words that involve me. They're always observations mm-hmm. because they're everybody Everybody who makes a Facebook posting is always like, it's like either a humble brag or it's, a, you know, here's my 
cat or something, but it's always about me or I. So whenever I do a Facebook update, I don't do Instagram. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. I don't do Twitter. I have no no followers on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 Facebook is a is a way to, that I've found that all the people my age they just hang out, and it's pretty cool because there's people that I went to high school with who I. Some of them, like, I don't really care. And if I never would see them again, it wouldn't be a big difference. But it's interesting to see what they're doing in life, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, in the same regard, I really feel like social media has um, destroyed the the ritual of high school reunions. Yeah. Because everyone knows what everyone's doing. Yeah. I need to go see them. Yeah. And actually, a lot of the time, I don't want to go see them. It's like the only reason I'd want to see someone I went to high school with is because I want to know what they're doing, but now I already know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So in a in a good, I guess it's kind of providing a benefit in that way. Yeah, it's not awkward. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you... I just don't need to see him. It's like, oh, cool, you're a doctor now. <laughs> yeah. Have fun with your house and daughter. The uh, don't talk to me. There was a, when 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 I first started, like, because we had MySpace and then we had Facebook, and when I got into Facebook, one guy connected with me from high school, and he was like the bully. He was the dick in high school, and it got weird because he's like, hey, man, what's your number? And I'm like, I don't know. Here's my number. And then next thing you know, he's calling me like every day. Hey, man, what's going on? Let's hang out. And either he's trying to make amends, but I'm like, listen, man, 19 years ago, you were the biggest asshole in on the planet. And <laughs> and you're probably still that asshole or you're trying to make amends. So I'm good. I don't need to connect, you know, with, with people like that, you know, because, you know, high school was awkward enough. I don't need a guy, you know, you know, spitting on my shoes, you know, so. Yep. Totally. So it's a good way. It's I mean, it's a good way to connect with people that you want to connect with, and I think that's it's it's growing to an extent where, you know, and it's also a good place to find out where you. If you're on Amazon, somehow it all pops up in your feed, which is is creepy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just try to think that. I think it definitely comes with its advantages and disadvantages, but it exists now. It's the way that I kind of feel about it. It's like you just got to work with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to be bringing it down anytime soon. <laughs> I kind of hope that it does implode, you know? Like someone's going to put like the wrong succession of ones and zeros into the Facebook algorithm and the whole <laughs> thing kind of dies, at least for a month. Because people would just be so lost. Yeah. We would be, we'd have to talk to each other again. Did you? you know, we'd have to do... Did have you, to do interviews in the same continent as each other. Yeah. Did you uh did you see uh that MySpace lost like all their music? Did you read that post? No, no, that MySpace no. lost like something like 18 million songs or something like just they were doing a backup and it just went bloop, <laughs> and they erased it and there's did no way to get care? I don't know. <laughs> I still get that's how I always claim that I'm old school is I get face or a MySpace updates. It's always about like Puff Daddy or something. Like I don't know if have you been have you been to MySpace? It's just it's 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 hilarious. It's like turned into almost like a parody of of what MySpace used to be. I wonder if they didn't report that on the news, how long it would have taken for people to notice. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's the way they're trying to reboot MySpace. Like, hey, we love, we need to create something big. We need to make it so yeah. it's not completely our fault. But people are coming. We got to come back to MySpace. Um, yeah. Let's delete it all. And yeah. like, Start we again. Do it. Yeah. It'll we... be a great way to get a headline, and then maybe yeah, it'll be our second win. Because when you're running like an old computer and it starts getting full, the hard drive gets full. It doesn't act as fast. So like this yeah. old clunky MySpace server is like really, really. And then, oh, I know what to do. Just erase everything, and then we'll start again, and then we put a new operating system on, and then we got new new MySpace. That's how that works. Cool. Well, I haven't been on it, so it's amazing. Well, I mean, the the weird thing, like when MySpace sort of disappeared after Facebook kind of exploded, and there really hasn't been anything like uh, that I know of that's even going to be in contention for what Instagram and Twitter and Facebook are all about. Is there anything out there that's the kids are using? I don't know. Well, I I definitely reckon Instagram has taken the the younger. Um, the younger market, certainly, it feels like a lot more like kids and people are discovering us via our Instagram presence and our Facebook presence. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, you know, I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller, but it'll all it'll all fall in on itself someday like everything does. Yeah. You know, like it might take a, a couple of generations, but something will take its place, whether it be, you know, a new form of social media or just global warming. 
I'm drowning us all. Is there ever a reason that people are like, you know what? I don't need Facebook. I don't need Instagram. Like, well, let's go outside and see what the weather looks like. And oh, it's nice uh-huh. out here. Or uh, they say that in like 150 years that everybody's necks will be like completely wrecked because they'll be like looking at their phones too much or something. Like, <laughs> there's a prediction there that we're all like they're gonna <laughs> dig up bones from like 200 years from now, a thousand years from now, and it'll be like, wow, these people were a lot like big heavy phone users. Mm. Well, they're only going to be wrecked through the lens of what our current necks can do. You know, like think about how awesome it's going to be when you live your entire life through your phone and you don't have to move your head at all. Yeah, that's going to turn into Wally. You've seen Wally, that movie Wally? No. <laughs> it's it's a little robot that stayed behind Earth and tried to clean up. And uh, <laughs> it's an interesting story. It's a Pixar movie, and there's like hardly any dialogue in it. It's it it was an interesting movie as it goes. Oh. So you know what I have music queued up. Is uh is there anything that is there a big single you guys are pushing? Big, um, big single? Yeah, I mean I think the single that that we've definitely come in swinging with is I want to feel again. Here it is. Um which is a uh, I guess another example of us really experimenting with with the sound and trying to see what we can do. I mean the majority of the song is just kind of like a garage punk song, but mm-hmm. we've definitely tried to add in this um more somber introduction to the to the song. Mm-hmm. Um, so go on, give it a play. There
I played yeah. in a band with a guy who um, would have to quit, keep quitting his job. He'd get this job, and it'd be kind of like a career. And they were like, hey, we're going to Europe to, for, for a month. Uh, you're like, fuck, I gotta quit that job now. And he Dude, would. That is my, that's been my life for the last nine years. Yeah. I've had so many fucking weird jobs over yeah. the years and so many stints of unemployment, just making it work along the way. But yeah. over the years, I've been a janitor at a high school. You know, I've been a fucking laborer. I've been a delivery driver. It's funny because every time I do a job interview, yeah. I just... Like I go in there and I totally just say like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm just, I don't have any plans to travel. I don't have any, <laughs> you know, I've got all this experience, you know, I'm, I'm going to be great for the job and then I'll work it for a month. And then the same, I say the same thing every time, like, oh, you'll never believe it. But this band that I play in has just like gotten this amazing opportunity that I've been totally unaware of. But yeah, yeah. I'm going to Europe for five weeks in a week. Yeah. What do you think of that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like fight club. <laughs> That's why I like to keep them a little bit in the dark about it all like if everyone understood how it worked they would know that by the time i was doing the job interview and i was telling them that i wanted to pursue a career at a bank yeah. um that you know i would have also been knees deep in a in a big record deal and organizing a tour of europe yeah yeah i mean sometimes i get a little bit like i don't know if afraid is the right word because you know there's there's definitely a lot about you know the bank and I'm saying that in a world sense that I really don't agree with. Yeah. Um, and working for them can be like, it can, can provide at least a little bit of a moral complex, but at the same time, you know, I totally went into the, to the interview and just lied through my teeth to them, <laughs> told them that I wanted to pursue a career there. And that I was really looking forward to putting in, you know, the hard effort to climb the ranks, but all I'm doing is like, just saying exactly what I got to say so that I can get like two or three months of work goof off the entire time, click on my phone. So basically in my mind, I'm actually like robbing the bank. It's kind of cool. <laughs> well, they, I, I have no, I mean, for me to say, uh, I mean, cause I got, I have a job too, you know, but for me to sort of like judge because of people have real jobs, you know, that, as a as a human being, it's like people need to do things to pay their bills, and music doesn't always do that, and mm. it doesn't need to either. So, therefore, the compromises you make for music are as follows: you get jobs, you do whatever it takes to be able to stay close to the music and to, to the to the creation part of it. You've sort of ramped it up a little bit by sort of getting like <laughs> you're doing what my my buddy did is getting getting a real job, and then hoping you can either leave or just get out of it. And that's, yeah. you know, because the moral dilemma of a, of a musician is, is like, is, is that if you want to do something musically, you, there's some sort of like reason that people think, well, I have to suffer for my, for my art. And I know people like that people still, and you see them at the punk clubs, you are like, really? You still, you know what I mean? You don't have to suffer. You don't have to have a, to be that real because mm. you've been real for so many years. It's time to just you know, either grow up or, or that's, that's the wrong way to say it. That's the wrong thing to say, or just accept the fact that this is what I've done. And now I'm going to go and provide and become a, a person in society. Cause that's what mm. happens. You know, I think in any other style of music, it would be totally acceptable. Yeah. People wouldn't bat an eyelid, but I just think it, it doesn't work so well alongside the punk mentality. But, and I've, I've been maybe like, maybe being like preparing myself for someone somewhere to kind of give me this full blown, like not attack, but question me on how I could work for an organization like that. Mm. And basically, you know, I would just say exactly what I said to you just then, you know, like I'm, I'm literally going there and doing nothing. <laughs> I'm surprised I even have the job. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm just squeezing money out of the fucking bank yeah you know and um also yeah at the same time you know i can do a lot of like things within the role that actually really help people like just the other day somebody had five thousand dollars left on a debt um that they hadn't paid off and i just totally like wiped it clean and fixed their credit reporting <laughs> and in a way i'm just like you know there, there's a lot of people there's a lot of fucking you know lizards and 
fucking idiots who work there that would think like, oh, no, but they had an obligation to pay, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I found a little loophole that actually said that I could wipe it all clean. I don't know. I, I just don't really fucking care, you know. Like I got to eat yeah. too. So. Yeah. No, but that's it's an interesting. I mean, it it is what it is what people have to deal. As you get older, you kind of like. You, I mean, people understand. Like, yeah, you can't be a twenty year old punk rock kid anymore. I mean, like, there is a there is you know, this is another underlying theme to the show is that when people after the age of twenty seven or whatever, people start going, you know, maybe it's time that I start, you know what I mean, like inputting into this, you know, and and I did. Personally, I, I got to the age of 27 and went, I've been taking so much out of this world, I need to start giving back. I mean, and, and that's kind of what you just explained. You just said, well, I'm, I'm giving back within the confines of uh, a weird institution like the bank. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then the bank's the unnecessary evil of everything. Like, you're not going to be one of those nutters that have like all your money and your mattress like under your, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Although, totally. Well, that. When they That's turn the lights out, you'll be great. Not. You know, you'll you'll be living living large with all your money. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's not gonna happen yet. That's gonna be my next rebut if anyone ever um, confronts me on that with a with an orthodox punk mentality. I'll be like, all right, show me your wallet. Show me what <laughs> cards you got in there. Have yeah. you got a bank account? Everyone's got a fucking bank account, dude. You either got a bank account or you got heaps of money in your apartment ready to burn when you when the whole place lights up, or yeah, you got it in Bitcoin and you're gonna be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and good on you. Yeah. I mean, I got Bitcoin too. So I tried Just Bitcoin years and years ago, and I was sort of looking into it before you really need like a supercomputer to go mine it. Um, yeah. And I found like there was a website that would do it. And I kind of sort of lost interest in it. But I had a place where I worked at that had like unlimited power, and I didn't have, you know what I mean? But to buy these computers, they're like total machines with fans and they take a lot of a lot of power to run and it would be a negative uh response if i did it in my house because the house would just like eat all the power all the profit so i thought oh i'll spend a certain amount of money and put these bit miners in my work and same thing i'll work within the confines of the man and use it to sort of make my millions but i just didn't have the balls to do it because i didn't have the place to i didn't have a proper internet connection to find it like yeah. to make it work, but uh, same idea. It's like I want to figure out how this thing works, and uh, I mean that thing. Fluck the Bitcoin goes all over the place, right? Like it's it's tough to sort of nail down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just sort of got into it when everyone was saying, "Hey, you can do this and make a whole bunch of money out of it." Mm. Like, oh, cool. So I did it, and I made a little bit of money, and then I fucking lost it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um. Hey, I uh, I really appreciate you doing this show. Um, it's good we finally connected because it took a week, but uh, it happened. Hey, that's cool. I'm glad that we that we found a time. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and absolute you know, pleasure. Yeah, man. Um, come to Canada. Um, come. You can sleep on my couch. I have couches here. How many oh, of cool. you? Five, right? Whoa, you guys have couches. Then we have couches. We have couches on all three floors. We're aristocrats. <laughs> yeah, we're. Whoa, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you know, like it's the plan. We've we've got a new booking agent up in the states now, and the ball's just kind of in their court. Yeah, yeah. I'm in touch with him once every couple of weeks, saying like, "Hey, you know what's going on?" And he's yeah, you know, he's definitely working on things. Um, it's definitely something that we're going to do this year, hundred percent. Yeah, we just um, probably wait until the fall now, right? Because the summer is kind of it's tough one to book in right now. I mean, especially yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know, you know, it's like a completely different ball game. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be our first tour of the States with a booking agent. Yeah. Um, and we we trust that we're in safe hands. So something will happen, you know. You North Americans will get your chance to see us at some stage. And looking forward to I look it. Forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Thanks for doing the show. No worries, thank you. And that was Stevie from Clowns. Good guy, right? Yes, good guy. I'll answer that for you because you don't have a mic and I do. Meh. Yeah. Fun to meet new people on the other side of the world. And there's more to come. I am going to give you a week to listen to this awesome podcast. Um, thanks, everybody, for supporting the show on Amazon. Appalog.ca slash Amazon. Or Appalog.ca slash US Amazon. Anybody from Australia? Uh, you might have to buy from the UK. Amazon if you want to help the show out 
But if there's big demand, let me know, and I'll put a link to uh, an Australian Amazon. Does uh, Amazon go to Australia? Is that me buying, being naive? Probably. Okay. Awesome. I'm babbling. It's Monday. It's a little late to put the episode out, but it's coming out, and I appreciate everybody listening to it, and I will see you all next week with a brand new, fresh, baked episode of the Apple Up Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.